0: Knowing that the same kind of sufferings are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, just thanks. Thanks for your word. Thanks for the chance to gather freely and to worship you. As Holy Spirit, we pray that you just come and remove every distraction. Just calm our hearts and calm our minds and teach us as we come to the end of the first month of a new year. Just getting into a new rhythm of many things that are going to come. I pray that you just help us to turn our anxieties and our concerns and over to you and just give us great grace. Lord, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts will be acceptable to you. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. If if life were weightlifting, there's always two weights on the bar—the demand to be lifted. One is cares, and the other one is control, or really anxieties and lack of control, because that's how we really are in life. We, we have lots of concerns and anxieties every morning when we wake up, and we have a little control over much of what happens to us. And every morning, we have to decide how we are going to lift that bar. It doesn't matter if you're in sixth grade, wondering if you're going to be picked to play in the game and get put out there, and you're worried about it, and you're all anxious, or if you're going to pass the test. It doesn't matter if you're in your 20s, trying to figure out the path of your life, or if you're in your 30s and 40s trying to figure out how to pay for the path of your life and your kids' lives, or in your 50s and 60s trying to figure out how you're going to deal with your parents who are sick, deal with your own retirement, and wondering if your kids are going to be able to pay for their lives and the path of their lives, or if you're in your 70s, 80s, or 90s, and wondering what is my place in life still, and how will I pass out of this life and will I persevere out of this life to the end. It doesn't matter. Whatever age group you're in, we we all wake up every single day and life is with this weight on us. It's either cares and control or anxiety and our lack of control and how we are going to deal with that and how you lift that weight. Or more precisely, who lifts the weight matters. For your joy and your spiritual progress. And the wrong lifting leads to choking out the word of God in our lives. That's what Mark chapter 4, verses 19 says. Anxieties of the world and the deceitfulness of riches chokes out the word. And how we handle this weight, these anxieties, these concerns of life matters. And these weights are seen even in the most mundane of tasks. I mean, even just buying jeans, there's a study that just came out this past week that they, they said that the age. Does wear, anybody wear jeans still, Levi's? You wear, you wear jeans? I wear jeans almost every single day of my life. They, they did a new study that just came out that said that the age to stop wearing jeans this past week is 53. Um, and not because, not because you, are, aren't, shouldn't, you don't look good in your jeans, but because it's so stressful to find a pair of jeans that fit after 53. And it's just, it just takes so much energy and effort. And so they say that the age you should probably stop wearing jeans is 53. That's a weight. That's anxious. You, you spend hours doing it. This is the anxieties of life. And how you lift those things, or who lifts those things, matter and then first Peter. Paul Peter was writing to the church in the context of First Peter, it's a group of people, it's a church, a community of faith who are enduring great persecution. Anytime the church is persecuted around the world, that group of people, they go to the book of First Peter. Because it's really about persecution and how you're going to to endure. And the context of this book, for the people that first heard it the first time, wasn't just about buying jeans. The context was they were under deep persecution for their faith, for being Christians. They were losing their homes. They were losing their jobs. People weren't sure if they were going to get married. And the concerns were, will my house be there tomorrow when I go home? Will my church still be there? Will the people I just worshipped with on Sunday, will they still be there when I come back? Will, my, will I ever get to marry someone? Or am I so marked from society that there'll never be anyone I can marry? Those were the deep concerns that Peter was talking to, a group of people under great persecution who had anxieties and they were dealing with the struggles of life and the cares of life. And he sends them this letter and he wraps it up with these things. This is the last thing that he says to them he says humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time he may exalt you anxieties are real aren't they We all carry these cares but their anxieties are not necessarily sinful Paul just, Peter just says, I cast all your anxieties. The Apostle Paul actually wrote in Corinthians, he says, life is difficult. I'm getting physically abused. I'm getting attacked and persecuted for my faith because then I have all the anxieties of the care of the church on him. Anxiety is real and it's not necessarily sinful to have these cares, but Peter does give us a way to, to look at this. And he, he broke this little passage down. There, there's an attitude that he wants people to have. There's an action. There's an adversary. And there's an assurance. Or there's an after. And we just really want to look at the action. But why is negativity, or why, why was there such a weight to anxiety? Why did many of you wake up this week with the first thing that came to your mind was, now, oh, it's a wonderful day but the burden that you fell asleep with last night or the concern of this next day what's going to happen why did you wake up that way why why is there that there's these cares and why does it feel like such a weight the reason partly is we have an adversary There is an evil one, it says, who says, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, he prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. We, We have an adversary, the evil one, who because of his fall, he brought the rest of the people into fall. He came and tempted Adam and Eve. They sinned in rebellion against God. God said, hey, this is the way it's supposed to be. It's perfect, it's wonderful. You wake up every day in the Garden of Eden happy. And then they were deceived, and they fell for it, and they rebelled against God. So sin entered into the world, and because of that, there's been this separation between us and God. And the great hope for us as Christians is that Jesus came into our world, took on our sin, took on our guilt, went to the cross, died for our sin, rose again, and gave us mercy. That's how we started First Peter Chapter 1, that's why I wanted Tom to read that today. That's where we stand with these weights. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he's caused us to be born again to a living hope, to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Which means, if you're not a follower of Jesus Christ this morning, if there's never been a time when you've seen yourself as a rebel, in rebellion against God, saw the hope in Jesus, confessed your sin, and turned to him, the rest about what I'm going to say won't help you with your anxieties. What will help you the most is even right now just turning to Jesus and asking him to rescue you. But because if you're a Christian, because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. Peter can say to these people who are dealing with unbelievable persecution and weights and anxieties and stresses and all their cares, he can give them some help. And what he says to them is, first of all, there's an attitude to accept. You've got to be really careful when you read your Bible That you don't read your Bible like you're the only person the Bible was written to. The books of the Bible, these letters were written to the church, to a group of people, corporately. This is a very corporate, every time you read the Bible, it's a corporate call, it's a corporate letter. It's it's for the whole truth. So Paul says to this group of people, corporately as one, he says, you, you persecuted church people. You go into very difficult times. The, the weight of carrying your anxieties and your, your lack of control is overwhelmed, but you together humble yourselves. And he starts out in verse five. It says, hey, talk, tell, tell the elders among you, exhort the elders among you, shepherd the, the flock of God among you, exercising, not under compulsion, but willingly, not with shameful gain, but eagerly. And it tells the youngers to submit to their authority. But it says then in verse five, likewise, you are, or younger, be subject to the elders, clothe yourselves, and then it says, all of you with humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And Peter says to them, humble yourselves, and accept this attitude of humility. And it says, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, which which seems almost comical. Is there any other option? It's the mighty hand of God we are called to humble ourselves over, but that's the problem. We all naturally don't want to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. and the Old Testament, the mighty hand of God is emphasized always in demonstrating God's power. It was the mighty hand of God that delivered the nation of Israel out of Israel and out of Egypt and divided the Red Sea. That's who the God we have. And we are called to humble ourselves under him, but we don't do that as often as we should. And Peter says there's an attitude he wants you to accept. And and the reality is you may hate the wait. You you may hate the wait every morning of waking up with your anxieties and your out-of-controlness of of your life. You, You may hate it. It it wears you down, and you feel it in your bones, and in your body, and your experience, and how you handle it. You may absolutely hate the weight of your cares and anxieties, but we are naturally bent every single day, because of our pride and rebellion against God, to daily try to lift it ourselves. We do. I mean, we, we hate the anxiety, we hate the weight, we hate that we're out of control, we, can't, we hate that we have to lift this thing, but we, even as Christians, we, we naturally, our natural bent is to say, you know what, I'm going to wake up today, and I'm going to pick it up again. And we do it in so many ways. We, we create this mirage that we have some control over stuff, and we can try to control ourselves. And the pride of that is, you think you can control something, and people slip into addictions because of their desire for control and try to have something for them. Or we just make lesser God. And this is our, all the ways pride's expressed in our lives. It's the thing that we hate. We don't want to humble ourselves for we, we still want to naturally lift it up. And so pride expresses itself by just this, creating this mirage of control Or making lesser gods. And so we, instead of going to God, we go to food and we comfort eat. And we chow the bag of chips. Or we go with our family and we make it all about family and life's about family and everything's about family. And your family can be the biggest god. Or Wi-Fi becomes our thing. We go to the internet and we look at porn, or we watch something we shouldn't watch, or we drown our minds with a movie, and soothe ourselves, or we go to work and we work really hard and make work our thing, or wrong relationships, or weak worship, and we just don't care, we just stumble in and we just toss up something. Or we want others to fail. Because we are struggling under anxiety. We got pressures. And, but if somebody else fails, and then you can tell somebody else about it, oh, there's nothing like a good piece of juicy gossip when you're going through a difficult time. Oh, really? That happened to them? Oh, that's terrible. But deep down, the lesser God is, yes, someone's got it worse than me today. And we feel a little bit better about ourselves. Or the big three. Money, sex, and power, all of them are lesser gods that we try to use instead of humbling ourselves. And God says, it's all pride. It's all pride. The mirage of control and making lesser gods, it's all pride. Humble yourselves, he says, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. And the action that he says to do this is by accepting this attitude of humility, but how do you do that? By casting your cares on God. Look in verses 5 and 6. There is no period after the you. In the NIV, there's a period. There shouldn't be a period there. It says, humble yourselves therefore under God, so that at the proper time you may be exalted. Casting, it's a participle. It relates to humbling ourselves. So you are to humble yourself by casting your cares on God. God, it's one command, it's not two. It's not humble yourselves and cast your cares on God. The way you humble yourself is by casting your cares on God. Casting's the means by which we humble ourselves. You humble yourself by casting your anxieties, your concerns, and the mighty hand of God. Pride tells us, no, don't do that. Pride tells us, eat a bag of chips. Just watch some Wi-Fi. Just soothe yourself. Just take a break. Just listen to that piece of gossip. Just hang out more with your family. You'll be able to do it. You can do it. You can do it. Work harder. Work harder. That's your pride. And God says you humble yourself by casting all your anxieties on God. Humility happens by casting all your anxieties on God. On God. The circumstances of our lives, most of them, we're not going to be able to, to change. We don't have that control. We, we don't have the ability to change most of the circumstances. These people that Peter first wrote to, they didn't have any ability to change any of the circumstances of their life. But Peter says to them, Humble yourselves together, humble yourselves individually by casting your cares on God even in the midst of your circumstances. It's it's not that you have circumstances. It's not that you have anxieties. It's not that you have cares. It's who's going to carry the weight. Who's going to carry the weight of those things with you as you walk through those circumstances? And humble people trust God and demonstrate humility by casting their care on God regularly and continually. That's good news. That's great. But how do you do it? That's the question we all want to know. How do we do this? How do we cast our anxieties on God? How do you take all the things you struggled with this week that you were that's weighing you down? How do you do this and cast them on God? There's one other place in the Bible when the word casting is one other time the same exact word was used, and it's in Luke chapter 19, verse 35, when Jesus was getting ready to go into Jerusalem, and they got a donkey, and they wanted to help him as his march into Jerusalem. And it says, and they brought it to Jesus, and and throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. The one other time this word casting is used in the New Testament is in Luke nineteen twenty-five, when they were putting Jesus on the colt. They took off their coats, and they threw their coats on the colt and let them that carry Jesus instead of them lifting themselves. They cast their coats off, and they hurled them on the colt. That's how we do this. We cast all our anxieties, and then we hurl them, in a sense on god what does that look like how do you do that in a real way i think it, there's this conscious effort that it takes to do this so if you're going to cast your concerns when you wake up in the morning and they pop right in your face and satan's ready to prowl you and you can't resist them and you're, you're trying to fight against them and they just keep coming you have to make a conscious effort to cast them back to god There's this idea, your your mind, that's what Peter says in verse 14. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be sober-minded. It says in verse 8, be sober-minded, be watchful. There has got to be a conscious effort that you're going to say, no, I I really want to pick this up by myself. I really think if I work really hard this week, things will get better. I really think that, you know, um, if I just eat a little bit more comfort food, I'll feel better. I don't really need to cast this. There's this idea we have to make a conscious effort to cast them with our minds. A conscious effort to put them on God. And then we need to confess in this. Because what we gotta confess is our, and turn from our self-reliance to God-reliance. We gotta see it as sin. Every time you pick up the TV and turn it on so you can just tune out to ease your anxieties, you gotta see it as wrong that if you're using food to make you happy, and you're a Christian, we gotta see that it's wrong. It's wrong to look at pornography in any way, but to look at it, especially if you're gonna soothe yourself. And we need to confess that it's my natural bent to want to do this myself. But we need to turn from self-reliance into God-reliance. And the way we do that is by casting all our cares on God with this conscious effort, with this confession that, God, I really just want an easy break right now. just want a few minutes of mental relief and forgive me and help me not to. And then calling for help. Casting all your anxieties on him for he cares for you. This is personal for you, but this was written to the church corporately so that we should be able to say, I'm struggling with my cares and my anxieties and life is hard and life is hard and I need help and calling for help. And the way you call for help to God and to others is, uh, help me, first of all, just can you help me? Help me, this is what I'm going through. Can you, this is what, I'm struggling right now, can you help me? And also, what we need more than just human help, we need divine help, and we need to pray and ask God to help us. We've got to be convinced that by saying words to God in prayer moves God. That's what the Bible says, prayer matters, and the way you pastor cares to God, is talk to God through prayer, and then you sometimes need to get other people together and say, hey, would you just pray with me? And we have a prayer room that needs to be more used if we took this really serious, because we would actually walk in together and say, man, I need, to, I need some people to pray with me. I don't have it all together as I'm walking in. You know how one of the most tiring things that I hear for our church sometimes is when I'm talking to new people that are coming in, and I go, I, I walk into church and I just look around and I feel like everybody's got it together. And everybody laughs, and I say over and over and over again, are you kidding me? Do you have you spent any time with me? And have you hung out here at all with these people? <laughs> we all got stuff. We what we, we 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 but it shouldn't be. It would be so good if people could just come into our church. Not that we're we're just putting everything out there just to, for, for show, but people could see they're getting together as a church because they're hurting, they don't have it all together, but they know who can help them and they're casting their cares to God in that way and we call for help. We gather on Wednesday nights to pray. I'm just gonna encourage you to come to pray. But I'm going to also encourage you, if you've got, you've got a problem, you're struggling with something, and you need to believe that God answers prayer through the help, power of the Holy Spirit, and He has done it in this church, and He will continue to do it. But you say, I, I, don't, I can't come for the whole hour, Paul. You show up anytime from 6.30 to 7.30 with a need, we will gather around you and pray, and you can leave. But I genuinely believe that if we call for help, pray for each other. This is humbling ourselves before God. And God resists the, pro- the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And we will see people healed. We will see addictions broken. We will see families being brought back together. And we will see those things never happen, but people who are going through them unbelievably sustained because they brought them. There is a calling for help, but then we need this consuming. We we cast our cares by this conscious effort, by this confession before God, calling other people to help us, but then we need to consume the promises of God, because we're not always here on Wednesday, we're not always here on Sunday, and you're on your own sometimes, even though we are part of the whole. So how do you do this? When you wake up at three in the morning, you wake up at six, you're sitting in your home at seven o'clock, and all these things are just pouring on your head. You consume the promises of God. So, this is an exact quote from Psalm 55, 22. Cast your burden on the Lord, and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. You're struggling with decisions? Psalms 32, 8 says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. You have any hardships and afflictions? The Bible says, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. You're wondering about your age and things getting difficult. Isaiah 46.4 says, even to your old age, I am he. And to gray hairs, I will carry you. I have made and I will bear. I will carry and will save. You're, you're feeling weak? 2 Corinthians 12.9 says, but he said, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Yet fears? Isaiah 41.10 says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. You afraid to die? Romans 14.7 and 8 says, for no one, for none of us lives to himself, and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So then whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. You, you, you're having a hard time persevering? Philippians 1, 6 says, And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will perform it and complete it at the day of Jesus Christ. In Matthew chapter 6 and Philippians chapter 4. It says, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And when you're struggling with picking up the weight, you've got to consume the promises of God. Consume them, find them, find one, and hold on to it and say it over and over and over and over in your head. And then continue and just wait. Remember when Hannah prayed in 1 Samuel chapter 1? She had no children. She was barren. She was disgraced, persecuted, huge anxieties. And she goes to the temple and she prays. And Eli, the priest, thinks that she is drunk because of her prayers. And after she gets done praying, he, he talks to her and he tells her what's going to happen. And this is what it says in 1 Samuel. 116, do not regard your servant, she says, as a worthless woman. For all along I have been speaking out of my great anxiety and vexation. Then Eli answered, go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition that you have made to him. And she said, let your servant find favor in your eyes. Then the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. What changed? Nothing, as far as her condition was concerned. Hannah was not pregnant, but she cast her anxieties on the Lord and she walked away, not carrying them. She cleaned her face and she was no longer sad. Which means we can have cares and concerns. We all got them, but we don't have to walk around with them. We can humble ourselves, drop the weight, let God pick the weight, cast your cares on Him, walk around joyful, in a way that people will say not that this church is hiding anything but these people have cast their cares there's a difference in the way they carry their concerns and anxieties I've talked to them that's a group of people who are struggling but man they're happy about it what's so good about it Jesus is what's good about it he took your concerns and he took your cares for us and why can we do this why can we have this attitude why can we do it that way because we have this assurance that it says, because he cares for you. We humble ourselves because he cares for you. The reason that the jeans story stuck out to me this morning, or this week when I saw it, was because I hate buying clothes, period. And I hate buying jeans in particular. But the one thing that I will do, I'll wait till the last minute, and this just happened for us. I'll wait till the last minute to find a pair of jeans. I mean, when you're vertically challenged and you like pizza it's hard to get a pair of jeans off the rack if you're not going to go to a specialty place so i i i I will wait to the last minute and when i'm desperate for a pair of jeans and then i'll go we just did this two weeks ago and i will take teresa with me i'll make her come with me and she hates it i mean i'm already angry before i even get in the car that i have to go and i'll get in there we went to six different stores literally uh uh, nothing 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 finally i, I walked into the last place we were going to go and i'm ticked off and i'm looking for anything finally, i grab like six or seven pairs of jeans go in i make her stand at the uh, right outside the window uh, right outside the door of the dressing room and, and and i would never do this for her unfortunately i am i'm terrible at shopping with her that's how bad this is and uh i will st- make her do that and then i will take a, try these no Oh grumble, take these off and I'm tossing all these jeans to her. She's holding this pair of jeans. The last time we did it, she's holding all these jeans. She walks away to a different part of the store that I'd even think to go. And she came back with three pairs of jeans. And she goes, I think these will work. And I tried them on. They fit. It was awesome. I bought them. Why would she do that for me? Why would she, knowing how annoying I am to shop for jeans, still get in the car with me? Why would she stand at the door? Why would she listen to me? Why would she carry that stuff for me, put them away when I'm just throwing them all over the place? And why would she go and look? Because she cares for me. Because she loves me. Even when I'm pretty unlovable. And if it's true that that works for human relationships. It's even more true for the God of the universe who loves us and who cares for us. And it's true what it says in Romans 8.28, that all things work together for good who love God. And it is true that it says in Romans 8.32, What should shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He, who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? God gave his son, and Jesus willingly went to the cross. That's true for us. And if that is true for us, that's a greater love than a husband can give to his wife, and it's a greater love than a wife can give to her husband. It's the greatest love there is, and it's true that God cares for you, which is our assurance. And one day, and one day after all these things, we will be restored, it will be renewed, and we will have ultimate and complete joy because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. So cast your